The House of Squibb presents Academy Award. Tonight, Charles Coburn and Virginia Mayo in The Devil and Miss Jones. Every week, Squibb brings you Hollywood's finest. The great picture plays, the great actors and actresses, techniques and skills chosen from the honor roll of those who have won or been nominated for the famous Golden Oscar of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. For generations, the House of Squibb has been known for the high quality and unfailing dependability of its products, each the result of a never-ending quest for perfection. Today, the great family of Squibb products reflects the tremendous advance of science in its contribution to human health and well-being. The name Squibb stands for progress through research. Squibb is a name you can trust. Tonight, Squibb brings you a laugh-provoking comedy, The Devil and Miss Jones, the picture which was nominated in 1941 for two Academy Awards. In our cast tonight, you will hear Charles Coburn playing the role he created on the screen for The Devil and Miss Jones. Co-starring is Virginia Mayo as Miss Jones. Mr. Coburn has twice been nominated as Best Supporting Actor of the Year and in 1943 won the coveted Academy Award. This is the story of a horrible old capitalist who was supposed to be a devil, but really turned out to be a pretty good egg. And of a dame who was supposed to be symbolic of the common man, but who really turned out to be pretty human too. All in all, you can call it a merry tale in which it is proved that heaven always protects the working girl. Good morning, J.P. How are you, J.P.? Good morning, J.P. Good morning. I see by the papers that I have been hanged in effigy in front of that department store at 38th Street. Some desperate malcontents must have done it. I thought I sold everything below 38th Street three years ago. We kept it, J.P., because the store was exactly on 38th Street. Hmm. This dummy doesn't look like me. Maybe it's supposed to be one of you. Oh, uh, which uh, one? Uh, what? Uh, there's a sign on the dummy with your name on it. Have this picture enlarged and everybody even watching it fired. An excellent oh. suggestion, J.P., Beg pardon, sir. Your lunch. Will you have the crackers whole, or shall I crumble them in the milk sack? Crumble them, you idiot. We're rounding up the troublemakers. We have a detective working on it. Where is this detective? In the next room, J.P. That's all, gentlemen. Good day. Yes, hey, sir. JP. Are you the detective? Yes, sir. I'm Higgins, Thomas Higgins. What progress have you made, Higgins? Oh, I've gotten a job in the store. Nobody knows I'm a detective except the personnel head, not even the general manager. I see. I'm a salesman in the children's shoe department. That's the hotbed, the whole fifth floor. When do you propose to round up these troublemakers? Well, Mr. Merrick, it'll take time. I gotta worm my way in. About three weeks. Three weeks? Why not three days? Well, sir, first I gotta go down to Philly. Uh, <laughs> My wife's having a baby. I see. Well, Higgins, you should be with your wife. I'll, uh, yes, I'll get someone else for this assignment. Oh, I'll, I'll keep your card if you don't mind. Gee, thank you, sir. You're very kind. That's all right, Higgins. That's all. 
More milk, sir, or anything? Don't say anything. Anything means crackers. Come here, George. Yes, Mr. Merrick. George, I'm going to delve into conditions. I'm going down to that store of mine, mix with the employees, let them talk to me, and I'll play with them like a cat with a mouse. Oh, my, Mr. Merrick. Not Mr. Merrick, George. For a while, my name is going to be Higgins. Thomas Higgins. <laughs> yes, Thomas Higgins. <laughs> you are, madam. Thank you. And what can I do for you, sir? Oh, uh, I'm working here. I'm a new salesman. Oh, you're Higgins. Uh-huh. You mean Higgins, don't you? Yes, sir? Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Higgins, in the intelligence test you took this morning, your rating was 66. Uh, that's one point over the lowest passing grade. Perhaps there was some mistake. We don't make mistakes, Higgins. Neely's is never wrong. This is the lowest intelligence rating in my department. I hope you have other qualities to compensate for it, <laughs> for your own sake. And Miss Jones, don't lean against my desk, Higgins. Yes, Mr. Hooper. And Miss Jones, I'm assigning Higgins to slippers. Show him his duties. Welcome to the shoe department, Mr. Higgins. You come right with me. Now, this is your counter. Bedroom, lounging, and house slippers. It's really the best job, Mr. Higgins. No bending down for try-ons. He doesn't think I'm good enough to sell shoes, is that it? Oh, don't be silly. It's just the same. You have to be cleverer selling slippers than shoes. How could he tell I'm not as good a salesman as the next one? Oh, it's just your vanity that's hurt. You can sell shoes when you're relieved for lunch. And you show him then what a good salesman you are. Your lunch hour is from 12 to 1. That's in 30 minutes. I'm not going to eat lunch. You're not? I'll stay right here selling slippers. And I'll make a good impression. Mr. Higgins, why aren't you going to eat lunch? I'm not going to eat because I'm not hungry. I never have lunch anyway. You go to lunch at 12 sharp. Here, take this. I don't want your money. No argument. Well, you don't mind waiting on me, do you? Oh, uh, what can I do for you, madam? Oh, excuse me, Mr. Higgins. Yes? I want you to meet Elizabeth Ellis. She will show you where the employee's restaurant is when your lunchtime comes. Mm, thank you. Hello, Miss Ellis. I'll be back for you. Do I see the shoes I asked for, or don't I? Hmm? Oh, yes, yes, of course, madam, of course. What kind of shoes do you wish? Button or strings? Are you sure you won't have anything? No, 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 no. Thank you very much. I, I, I never eat lunch. It's nicer out here in the park than in the company lunchroom, isn't it? Yeah, very nice. Don't you think it terrible that the store won't let the people organize? I make these popovers myself. You're very rude not to try one. I wonder where they're holding a meeting tonight. Go ahead. Eat it. What is it? Tuna fish popovers. Tuna fish popovers? Go ahead. Bite it. It's my own invention. Oh, no, I couldn't. Uh, really, I couldn't. Oh, please. If uh, I ask you? Have you got a graham cracker? Oh, a grown man eating graham crackers. There's no nourishment in that. Now, you eat that popover. It won't bite you. Won't it, though? <laughs> tuna fish. Mm. Like it? I don't know yet. Is it good tuna fish? It costs 12 cents a can. 12 cents a can? It's almost as good as you can buy. Almost as good? Eat it. Go on. 
You know, it tastes good. Yeah, thank you. Here, have another. No, 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 thank you, no. Oh, one's not enough to feed an infant, not take it. How does a man exist without a woman looking after him? I could tell you're a single man. You are single, aren't you? Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> what did you do before this? Oh, what kind of work? All kinds. Mm, you'll be surprised. Oh, oh, Mr. Hooper is coming. He is, is he? Wait until I put his name down in my little black book. Fire Hooper. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Hooper. Good afternoon, Mr. Hooper. Uh, oh, how do you do, Miss Ellis? Walked right by. He usually sits here for a few minutes. I hope he's not angry. Give me another popover. Oh, yes, Mr. Hooper. Oh, we must get back to the store. Lunchtime is over. All right, let's. <laughs> Only one more flight, Mr. Higgins, then we'll be there. I hope so. My feet hurt. I've had a hard day at the store today. Well, it's after hours and the store's closed now. And you're on your own. Does your finger still hurt? Uh, a little. I can't understand how you've never been in an automat before. Well, I've never thought of it. I could sue them getting my finger caught like that. <laughs> Higgins, tell me the truth. Was the manager right? Did you try and get that blueberry pie without putting in a nickel? I tell you, I did put in a nickel. But I went to get coffee and somebody must have sneaked the pie out. It was their responsibility to give me another piece of pie. And I would have gotten it, too, if you hadn't interfered. Oh, here we are. The door to the roof. Well, what's this? Oh, this is the meeting. Our meeting of store employees. Hello, baby. You're late. Who's this? Oh, Joe, this is Mr. Higgins. He started in the store today. Welcome, brother. Mr. Higgins, this is Joe O'Brien. He hung up the dummy of John P. Merrick. Yeah, made the front page of the Times, all right. Did you see it, Mr. Higgins? Yes, I saw it. Well, this is quite a pleasure, Mr. Mr. O'Brien. Likewise, I'm sure. Well, come on, folks, we're about set to get started with the meeting. Oh, come on, Higgins, stop writing in your diary. Huh? Oh, yes, 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 plenty of time for that, eh? <laughs> oh, Mr. Higgins. Why, Elizabeth, you here too? Well, of course. And I knew you'd join us. I could tell it the minute I saw you. Yes, yes, you could, of course, couldn't you? Now, now many of you are here for the first time. And you'd probably like to know more about us. Well, we're not professional agitators. I started in the Neely store six years ago as a packing boy and worked myself up to assistant section manager. Now, what we want Excuse is Excuse what... me, Joe. Huh? If I may, I'd like to show you a practical case of what we're fighting for. Why, sure. This is Miss Jones of Children's Shoes. This is Mr. Higgins, Tom Higgins. How old are you, Mr. Higgins? Hmm? Fifty. Uh, Fifty-three. He's fifty-three. That's not very old. He came to work this morning in children's shoes without the few cents in his pocket to buy his lunch. And do you know how he got his lunch? From another employee, sharing a few crusts she brought which were hardly enough for herself. Look at him, 53 years of age and nothing to eat. And in a few more years, he'll be let out, white-haired and friendless, with no one to turn to except charity. 
and the poorhouse. Mr. Higgins, please take your seat. Oh, Mr. Higgins, you were so wonderful. Well, I didn't do anything. Oh, but you did. You were so brave standing up there. My heart cried for you. What you need is someone to care for you, to keep you. To keep you from going to the poor house. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, I, I never thought about it in just that way before, Miss Elizabeth. But you, you are so right. You are so wonderfully right, my dear. To make every morning a beautiful morning, to start each day really awake, remember it pays to use Squib Dental Cream whenever you want to feel your best, look your best, make the best impression. Try Squib Dental Cream tomorrow. Taste, feel, and see the refreshing difference. And now, The House of Squibb presents part two of Academy Award, starring Charles Coburn and Virginia Mayo in The Devil and Miss Jones. Oh, isn't this a divinest picnic? Is there anywhere in the world as divine as Coney Island on Saturday afternoon? Well, maybe, Liz, but it's too crowded to go look for it. <laughs> Higgsy, are you having fun? Fun? Oh, oh yeah, yes, yes, indeed. Yes. <gasps> oh, I knew I'd forgotten something. There's the hot dog, Nana. I'll get us some and be right back. Well, I think I'll go for a swim. Nobody's going to be watching you, so don't you off and swim down to Montauk. <laughs> <laughs> See you at Frankfurter time in old Coney Island. I guess you love that young fellow, eh? Sort of. You know, Mr. Higgins, I've never even thought of what it would be like not to see him anymore. And that's probably the test of it. Why, if I thought I'd never see him again, I don't think I'd care if I lived or died. Mm. I guess that must be love. Oh, it isn't so hard to find, Higgins. Don't you find it when you look at Elizabeth? Well, I don't know, Miss Jones. You see, I've only been looking at her for a few days. But you must see something in her eyes. Well, I suppose I must. What could it be? Isn't it kind of soft, like moonlight? Doesn't it bounce back at you and give you kind of a hot foot inside when you see her looking at you like that? Mm, well, well, my dear, I think I'll go for a swim. What does one do? Well, one goes up to the bathhouse, rents a suit, and one dunks, doesn't one? <laughs> I suppose one does, yes. I suppose one does. I beg your pardon, but I was wondering if I could find out whether my clothes are in your bathhouse. Did you take them off here? I don't exactly remember. Uh, where's your locker key that has our name on it? I don't seem to have a key. 
I've been walking about for hours. Does this look like the place? Well, I rented this suit. Can you tell me if it's yours? Uh, no, brother. That ain't eyes. That's a pretty cheap suit. Mm, not yours, eh? Well, thank you. Yeah, ain't never seen yous before. You don't belong in this bathhouse. Try down the line. Thank you. How many more bathhouses are there around here? Oh, a couple of hundred, maybe. I've got a big bargain for you, son. Huh? What's a gag? Hey, what you want? This is a cigar store, not a pawn shop. My watch. It's quite good. You can have it for a dollar. It's solid gold. Solid gold, huh? I'll take it back and bite it. Wait here. So you see, Sergeant, I find this character in a cigar store, and he's trying to sell his watch to the clerk. Mm-hmm. When I question him, he, he said he wanted the money to call his chauffeur. And besides that, he says he got the watch from the governor. I thought that was suspicious. It's suspicious enough for me. Lock him up. There he is. Higgsy, keep your chin up. We'll get you out. I'll say we will. Mr. Higgsy. Hey, what is all this? These are my friends, sir. Now, now, we'll see. We'll see if you can lock up an innocent man. Now, let's get this straight, Sergeant. I'm a free American citizen. And under the Constitution, I've got my rights. And I say to you... What if it did cost us our last ten bucks? We got you out of jail, didn't we? <laughs> yes, Joe. You talked him right out of it. Yeah. Well, I'm sleepy. I, I got sand in my sock. And the subway is so crowded. Lie back, honey. We'll be home soon. Oh. Look at him. <laughs> Higgins and Liz. Just like turtle doves. <laughs> turtle dove yourself. By the way, when did you ever see any turtle doves? Oh, well, it's, it's just an expression. <laughs> Put your arms around me. Stop worrying about turtles. Elizabeth. Yes, Tom? I want you to tell me something. What is it? Didn't Hooper ask you to this picnic today? Yes, he did. Well, tell me, why did you go with me instead? Well, you see, Mr. Hooper is the executive type. And you, well, you're sort of helpless. You need someone to look after you. He's the executive type, and I'm helpless. Now, don't be offended. People can't tell on themselves. But that's the type you are. For heaven's sake. I don't like the executive type. What you can see in him is beyond me. Well, he asked me to marry him during the clearance sale. Did you ever consider it? To be honest, I did. Well, why didn't you? Well, I didn't know whether I loved him. Maybe I'd be marrying him for his money. Has he got money? He makes $55 a week. But I don't see how a woman can marry a man with money. She'd always feel that maybe... Or maybe she'd married him not for what he was, but for what he had. That's torn it. Oh. Oh, dear me, this is our station. Uh, good night. I'll see you tomorrow. Good night, good night. Oh, good night, you two. Wake up, Joe. Wake up. They're getting off. Say something. Huh? 
Oh. Hey, hey, Higgins forgot something. Couldn't you say goodnight? What's the matter with you? Oh, well, Higgins forgot a card. Fell out of his pocket on the seat. Oh, Oh, well, give it to me. I'll give it back to him in the morning. What is it, anyway? Oh, to whom it may concern. Thomas Higgins is employed in a confidential capacity and is accountable only to me, Arthur Davies, head of personnel, Neely's department store. What's that? Oh, no. Not Higgins. Not a spy. A dirty spy. Well, our friend Higgins seems to be a little late this morning. Probably drinking last night. Oh, he only had three beers. Uh, You were with him yesterday? Yes. Uh, No, 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 no. Uh, Mary and Joe... No, no, just Tom and I. I mean, Mr. Higgins and I, we, uh, we, we went to the beach. He asked me before you did, really. Yeah, uh, that's perfectly all right. Ah, and who have we here? Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Mr. Higgins. <laughs> I mean, Tom. We're a little late this morning, aren't we? Oh, are you a late, too? <clears throat> you are a little late this morning. Yes, I am. And why, may I ask? Because I overslept. I was tired. Oh, that's a novel excuse. Well, it's the truth. I don't like the tone of your voice. And I don't like the tone of yours. Who do you think you're talking to? Another employee of the store. That's all. And a darn poor one at that. Do you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to be fired. I'm going to be fired? Now, let me tell you something. You're going to be fired. How do you like that, huh? Why, Higgins, and I thought you were a company spy. Me, a spy? (laughs) Oh, oh my goodness, this is revolution. Never in all my years at Neely's. Oh, never, oh, gracious. The world is going crazy. Oh, oh, look, that's my Joe. What's the matter? Uh, Now we'll see. Right over here, over here, gentlemen. Here's another dangerous character. Oh, company detectives, they've got my Joe. Hey, what's going on here? Uh, Take this one, too. His name is Higgins. He's in on the plot. Come on, Higgins, grab him, Louis. Come along quietly, Mr. Higgins. Come on, now, all of you. The general manager wants... Take your hands off of me. Dip lip, Higgins. The Cossacks are putting the muscle on you. Where are you taking him? To the general manager's office. Is this how he makes people come to his office? Come on. Oh, Oh, Mr. Higgins, they can't do this to you. I'll say they can't. Wait till I get that general manager. Shut up and come on. All right, Allison. So you're the general manager, eh? Now let me tell you something, sir. I've observed firsthand how you discharge your responsibility. Can't you see that dealing with people the way you do is the reason for this civil war around here? I've worked with these people. They've got rights. You bumble with it, idiot. Oh, Tom, it's wonderful what you're doing. And me thinking you were a spy. Well, you'll never be sorry. Let them fire you. As long as I have a breath in my body, you'll never go hungry. Yeah, Mr. Allison. Take these people and throw them out in the street. And then you, Miss Clubber. Make out discharge slips for everyone on the fifth floor. You can't do that to us. Oh, I can't, eh, Higgins? No, you can't. And my name isn't... Yes? Don't argue with him, Higgsy. Don't argue with him? I'll say I won't argue with him. I'm going to fire him. I'm going to fire the whole pack of them. Oh, Higgsy, you're overdoing it. Fire us, huh? First you come in here with a persecution complex. And now you've got delusions of grandeur. Throw him out. Oh, my. He thinks he's J.P. Merrick himself. Throw them all out. Just a minute, Mr. Wait, Allison. Wait, I'm wait, stop. Car, huh? I'll show you who is J.P. Merrick. I'll show you. Oh, relax, Higgy. It's easier when you hit the sidewalk. Well, 
you said they couldn't, but they did. Where did you land, Higsy? Mm, well, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, one of these days we're going and throwing them out. I'm going back and do that now. Thomas, you come right here this instant. Who? Me? Yes. Stop writing in that little black book. We're on our way to get married. After all, who are we to keep the mayor waiting? Mr. Higgins, where are you taking me? I'm taking my bride home. Upsy-daisy. Oh, oh my goodness. I've got to carry you over the threshold. You put me down this instant. Oh, have you lost your mind? This isn't where you live. This is the mansion of the old monster himself, J.P. Merrick. Oh, I don't want to spend my honeymoon in jail. Oh, good evening, Mr. Merrick. Good evening, George. Dinner for two this evening. And by the way, George, this is Mrs. Merrick. Get some clean rice, George. One only gets married once. Merrick? Mr. Merrick? You're not Higgins? No, my dear. I'm J.P. Merrick in the flesh. Oh! Turn down a bed, George. Mrs. Merrick has fainted. It isn't that I mind you being J.P. himself, or me being Mrs. J.P. What about all our friends? Have you forgotten my little black book, darling? We're going down tomorrow and spend the first day of our happy honeymoon getting things straightened out at that store. And I mean straightened out. After all, my dear, they can't push people like us around, eh? Oh, no, Thomas. I mean, J.P. Oh, I mean... Darling. Darling. <laughs> yes. Happy endings usually follow good beginnings. That's why starting the day right is so important. When you wake up refreshed by a good night's rest, ready for the exhilarating sting of a cool shower, you're glad to be alive. How wonderful it would be if you could recapture that feeling of early morning freshness whenever you felt like it. Well, you can. In the single act of brushing your teeth with Squib Dental Cream. For Squib Dental Cream tastes as fresh as an early Maytime morning with its frosty, minty flavor. It's brisk, freshening action. Under your brush, it leaves your mouth feeling fresh and young. And Squib Dental Cream makes your mouth feel cleaner because it is cleaner. And best of all, you can have this fresh as the morning feeling whenever your mouth needs quick refreshment. Any hour in the 24, and always before you're going to meet people. For there's real charm protection in Squib Dental Cream. Try it tomorrow. Ask your druggist for Squib Dental Cream, one of the great family of Squib products. Taste, feel, and see the refreshing difference. Next Wednesday, another great picture. The House of Squibb will present Academy Awards starring Cary Grant 
and the glamorous English star Ann Todd with Nigel Bruce in Suspicion. Today's performance of The Devil and Miss Jones was written for radio by Frank Wilson with an original musical score composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Our producer-director is D. Engelbach. Charles Coburn is currently engaged as one of the stars in David O. Selznick's Technicolor production, Little Women. Miss Mayo appeared through the courtesy of Samuel Goldwyn and will next be seen in the Samuel Goldwyn production, The Best Years of Our Lives. This is Hugh Brundage bidding you good night until next Wednesday at the same time when you're invited to listen again to Academy Award presented by the House of Squibb, a name you can trust. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And from Hollywood, here comes the star-studded show train. Tonight, your railroads through the Association of American Railroads present the delightful musical comedy hit, Good News. In our star-studded cast, you will hear the host of our series, Gordon McRae. Two lovely guest stars, Dinah Shore and Jane Powell, and a great cast of Hollywood featured players. The entire production set to the music of Carmen Dragon's Orchestra and brought to you by the American Railroads. The same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and the things you use in your daily life. And now, here is Gordon McRae. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Gordon McRae helping to bring you the first in our series of musical comedy successes. Tonight, the Railroad Hour Show Train presents the Lawrence Schwab, De Silva, Brown, and Henderson musical hit, Good News. Starring Dinah Shore as Connie Lane, Jane Powell as Babe O'Day, yours truly as Tommy Marlowe, and a great supporting cast including Jim Backus, Mary Lee Robb, Lou Merrill, and Rye Billsbury. Marvin Miller is our announcer. Our chorus is under the direction of Norman Luboff. And our orchestra is presided over by maestro Carmen Dragon, who is now playing the final strains of our title number, Good News. Now the curtain rises on the first act of Good News. In the huge gymnasium on the campus at Tate College, Babe O'Day, a blue-eyed little blonde co-ed, is trying to teach a new dance step to a group of freshmen. Stop the music! Stop the music! Of all the dumb clunks, you freshmen take the prize. Now, if you kids want to be in the swim at the dance tomorrow night, after our team beats Colton, you better pay attention and learn this step. I'm going to show you just once more, and that's all. So watch carefully. Okay, maestro, give. (laughs) 
Here's the drag, see how it goes. Down on the heels, up on the toes. That's the way to do the varsity drag. Hotter than hot, newer than new. Meaner than mean, bluer than blue. Gets as much applause as waving a flag. You can pass many a class, whether you're dumb or wise. If you all answer the call when your professor cries. Everybody down on the heels, up on the toes. Stay after school, learn how it goes. Everybody do the varsity drag. Come on, kids, break it up. Break it up, I said. Well, just a minute, Beef Saunders. What's the big idea? Tommy Marlowe's going to meet me here in the gym any minute. Tommy Marlowe? It beats me why Tate's greatest football star wants to waste time with a lug like you. Well, if you must know, i got to teach him a couple of secret plays to pull in the game with Colton tomorrow. You're going to teach Tommy Marlowe football? <laughs> That's like Marjorie Maine showing Jane Russell how to wear a bathing suit. Come on, everybody, once more. Down okay, on your Okay, if you up. don't believe me, here's Tommy now. Ask him yourself. <laughs> Hi, fellas. Hi, gals. Say, what's going on, babe? You showing the kids how to do the varsity drag? Let's get more on the beat, Tommy. Let's say trying to show them. This bunch doesn't have any more backbone than a plate full of jelly. Oh, now look, kids. The varsity drag is something everybody ought to know. One of the nicest subjects you can learn at Tate, you see? We've always thought knowledge is not. We should be taught to dance right here at Tate. We're up to date. We teach a great new dance. First lesson right now. You love it and how you love it. Here is the drag. See how it goes. Down on the heels, up on the toes. That's the way to do the varsity drag. Hotter than hot, newer than new. Meaner than mean, bluer than blue. What's up, Bobby? Well, Coach Johnson's holding a special meeting with the team down in his office. I guess everybody's going to be there, because i got to go, too. Coach even wants the substitutes, huh, Bobby? Oh, lay off of your spiels. You're speaking of the man I love. Bobby? I thought you preferred the athletic type. Bobby is the athletic type. He plays football. Uh, preferably quarterback. He plays baseball. Preferably shortstop. He wrestles. Preferably women. <laughs> well, don't worry about it, Bobby. You'll get your chance to play tomorrow, all right. In my place. What? Oh, no, you're, you're kidding, aren't you, Tommy? No, Bobby, I'm not kidding. Didn't pass my astronomy exam. Professor Kenyon just told me. Oh, Tommy, no. If you can't play, we're licked. Colton will beat us 50 to nothing. Oh. Tommy? Tommy, darling. Oh, uh, Pat, hello. I just heard the devastating news. How could you fail to pass, Tommy? How could you? When you knew perfectly well that I bought a new gown for the prom. Well, Tommy, isn't there any chance at all that you can play? Well, there's just a slim chance, Bobby. Professor Kenyon is going to give me another exam. And, Pat, you're so good in astronomy that I thought if you'd help me study, I, I might be able to pass. Oh, Tommy, darling, you know I'll help you. Uh, I was sure you would, Pat. Why, I would have bet my last nickel on it if I were a betting man. And aren't you a betting man? I don't ever gamble, sweetheart, I refuse Not because I hate to, simply cause I always lose 
lucky boys who gamble tell me that it pays, but I've got luck that beats their luck a thousand different ways. Lucky in love, lucky in love, what else matters if you're lucky in love? Good breaks are few, few skies are blue, but bad luck scatters every time I'm with you. I don't mind that at poker I'm green. If I stand ace high with a beautiful queen, I'll say I'm lucky in love. If you take me, that will make me oh so lucky in love. I stand ace high with a beautiful queen. I'll say I'm lucky in love. If you take me, that will make me sweet. Oh, but I must leave, darling. I have an engagement. Well, gosh, Pat, I, I ought to start studying right now. Can't you break it? Break an engagement with my hairdresser? Oh, darling, that's impossible. I'll meet you, Sesswai, at the bench behind the chemistry laboratory. Around, baby. I still don't understand why you dragged me down here to this little bench behind the chem lab. Oh, Connie, darling, I'm in trouble, dreadful trouble. Do you know Tommy Marlowe? No. Oh, of course I know that he's the captain of the football team and that he's your friend, but I don't know him. Well, you're going to. Oh, Pat, when? Tonight. You heard that Tommy didn't pass his astronomy exam. Well, yes, but they say you're going to tutor him. Well, I was, but... But confidentially, Beef Saunders' new car was just delivered, a luscious red convertible, and he's asked me to go riding with him. So I want you to take my place. Oh, I couldn't. Oh, there's Beef now. I'll have to run. Oh, Pat, Pat. Oh, here comes Tommy. Oh, do, do, do I look all right? Why, you look perfect, darling. And anyway, all you're going to tutor him in is astronomy. He'll learn about women from me. Bye. Gosh, Pat, I didn't expect you'd be running time. I... Oh, 
Pardon me, I thought you were Pat Bingham. I'm I'm Connie Lane, Mr. Marlowe. Pat asked me to meet you at this bench and help you with your astronomy. She, uh, she, she has a terrible headache. Oh, the poor kid, that's too bad. And it's nice of you to help, but trying to teach me anything is going to be pretty tough to take. Sort of like going to the dentist. Oh, no, it won't, Mr. Marlowe, because I'm going to put something in your head, not take it out. Well, I guess there's plenty of room, and, uh... Won't you call me Tommy? All right, Tommy. Now, what is it about astronomy that's so difficult for you? You know, I just this minute figured that out. Something has always been missing before. Astronomy is a subject for uh, two to study. Good. Well, then open your textbook to page 85. You think there's enough light from the street lamp to see? Oh, yes. And everything I see is very beautiful. The stars are beautiful tonight, aren't they? Oh, I wasn't thinking of the stars. But you must if you're going to pass that exam tomorrow. Now tell me, what planet is that? Planet? Oh, well, let's see. Uh, oh, what's the use of guessing? There's too many of them. All right, I'll tell you. That's Venus. You see? Yes, I see. I'm looking right at her, and she's beautiful. Well, I... I don't know how Patricia would like my being Venus. Oh? What do you know about Patricia? She's my cousin. Your cousin? Well, then why haven't I seen you before around the sorority house? Oh, I'm not a member. I'm sort of a poor relation, you know. Does that worry you much? Not particularly. A lot of things in this world make up for the shortage of money. I'm listening, teacher. Well, there are so many kinds of riches. And only one of them is gold The wealth you miss Remember this Worthwhile things cannot be bought or sold The moon belongs to everyone I never thought of things that way before, Connie. And, you know, from now on, that's my philosophy, Please, too. Tommy, we're wasting time. Now, Now, what's that other planet way up there? Oh, wait a minute. I, I used to know. Now, don't tell me. Never mind. It's Mars. Oh, yes. Faithful old Mars. Still there. <laughs> of course. Mars is in the same constellation as Venus, and he looks right across at her all the time. Can you remember that? Well, how can Mars forget? With Venus right here at his side. Oh, Tommy, please. You have to study. I know. And you've already taught me so much. 
The flowers in spring, the robins that sing, sunbeams that shine, they're yours. They're mine, and love can come to everyone, the best thing. So down comes the curtain on the first act of that grand musical comedy, Good News, brought to you by the Railroads of the Nation, cooperating through the Association of American Railroads. And now I'd like to present to you William T. Farrisee, president of that association. Tonight, Mr. Farrisee is in St. Louis, Missouri, attending a meeting of the National Association of Shippers' Advisory Boards. Mr. Farrisee. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <coughs> As you have just heard, there is now meeting in St. Louis an organization representing the shippers of most of the nation's freight. These businessmen, 25,000 of them, work with the railroads to improve service. You and I and everybody in the country benefit directly from their cooperation. Long ago, the railroads learned that to give the very best service, they not only had to work with each other, but also with the public. Twenty-five years ago, one group of their customers set up the first Regional Shippers Advisory Board. The work of the board was so valuable that soon there were 13 boards covering the entire country. In 1937, they joined to form the National Association of Shippers Advisory Boards. These boards, while working with the railroads, are not made up of railroad men. Instead, they are made up of shippers who work with each other and with the railroads to help provide the whole country with more adequate and more efficient transportation of freight. These boards made their greatest contribution so far during the Second World War when their consistent, organized help was one of the things which made it possible for the railroads to handle the tremendous volume of wartime traffic in such a way as to shorten the timetable to victory. So tonight, we take pleasure in saluting the Shippers Advisory Boards and their National Association for their great contribution to meeting the transportation needs of America. And the Railroads of America, your railroads welcome you, all of you, to the first Railroad Hour. And now the curtain rises on the second act of Good News. It's the next morning, and Tommy Marlowe is walking up the steps of Astronomy Hall ready to take his examination. 
when he stopped by the voice of his roommate, Bobby Randall, calling excitedly, Hey, Tommy! Tommy! What's the matter, Bobby? Well, how's the astronomy? You gonna pass that test? Oh, I sure am. I was coached last night by the most wonderful girl in the world. You mean uh, Pat Bingham? No, her cousin, Connie Lane. Oh, Bobby, she's a dream. Yeah, but uh, what about Pat? The queen is dead. Long live the queen. Do you... You mean it, Tommy? Well, certainly I mean it. Why? Why, I love Pat, Tommy. Why, I've loved her from the very first day you laid eyes on her. But I, I was too honorable to say so, and besides, you outweigh me. <laughs> then bless you, my children, bless you. Oh, Patricia, if I ever get a chance Shut to... Shut up, Bobby, oh. here she comes. Well, I'll run along and let you give her the RKO privately. The RKO? Yeah, the royal kiss-off. <laughs> Good luck, pal. Tommy... Oh, Tommy, darling, I want to apologize to you. Apologize? Well, when I asked Connie to help you out, I didn't think she'd be stupid enough to make you study all night. I didn't find her stupid. She wants me to pass. You mean I don't? Why, you must know me better than that, Tom, or you never would have proposed to me. Uh, Yes, I, I did propose, didn't I? Did you? I have it in writing. I always keep the letter right here, next to my heart, you know. Well, the fatal hour has struck. I go to my doom. Tommy! Tommy! Tommy, I was afraid I wouldn't get here in time to wish you luck. Well, thank you, Venus. Go to it, Mars. And Tommy, here's a kiss from me to wish you the best. Uh, there's the last bell. Well, uh, so long and thanks for everything. Oh, I want him to pass. Tom Marlowe, you've just got to pass. Why, Connie, darling... I never knew you were such a rooter for the school. Oh, I love the school. (laughs) Well, just don't let that affection bubble over onto Tom Marlowe, darling. Remember, he's mine, if I want him. And I'll want him if he passes that exam this morning. Well, maybe he is yours, but... Just imagine That he loves me dearly must imagine that I'm his sincerely. I'm pretending that he's sending love notes pending. I love you.
Is the exam over yet? Oh, not yet, Bobby, but I'm not worried. Yeah. Connie says he'll pass all right. Oh, by the way, Connie, I thought you were going to press my dress for the football rally before the game. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Patricia. I'll do it right away. Uh, yes, Connie, you press the dress while I press my suit. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, Bobby, you're certainly funny when you get started. I am? Yes. Why don't you get started? Oh, there you go, Pat. No one understands me. I'm a serious-minded young man. Well, don't start making love to me if you want me to be serious. I'll go on. Necking is out of my line. It is silly, isn't it? Oh, it sure is. Now, take your hand, for instance. It's a nice hand, but as I hold it, it, it doesn't give me any thrill. Why? Well, it's power of mind over matter. Why, Bobby, you're a psychologist. Yeah, given 15 years of my life to it. And then, then there's the kiss. You know, the most overrated thing in the world. It, it's all in the mental attitude. Let me show you. Now that it's over, what have you got? Wet lips. You're right. Well, certainly. Now, now you just take your knees, for instance. Bobby! Ouch! Mind over matter. Well, matter got the best of mind for a minute. How dare you make love to me, your roommate's fiancé? Well, I thought it was all off between you and Tom. Off nothing. I'm going to marry him if he passes the exam and wins the game tomorrow. Hey, what's going on here? Oh, hello, Beef. Got that convertible handy, Beef? Sure. Oh, good. I'll let you drive me back to the sorority house if you like. Why, swell. I'll bring the news about Tommy's exam up to the house. Okay. Yeah. What's happened, Bobby? Is the exam over yet? Uh, well, not yet, babe. We, we're just... Oh, oh no. Oh, oh my gosh. Here, here comes Professor Kenyon now. Oh. Well, good morning, students. Well, Lovely we... day, isn't it? Well, we hope it's going to be, Professor. Oh? Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, sir, this afternoon, Tate plays Colton. And oh, we thought yes, it... yes, I know. I'm very much interested in football. You are? Gee, that's great. I should very much like to see Tate beat Colton this afternoon. You would? Gee, that's great. Then tell us, Professor... How did Tom Marlowe do in the examination you just gave him? Oh, yes, Tom Marlowe. Well, here's his paper. Let's see. Uh, uh, listen to this. Sir J. Herschel estimated there are a billion stars down to the 18th magnitude. What holds them in place? Uh, that was my question. And now here's Tom Marlowe's answer. Mars and Venus, they are in the same constellation, and he looks across at her all the time. Oh, even I know that ain't right. Oh, gosh. Uh, tell me, just how good is this Colton team? Oh, terribly good, Professor. And do we need Tom Marlowe to win? Do we? We could use Glenn Davis, too. Well, let me see. 75 is the passing grade. You can tell Mr. Marlowe that his grade on this examination is 76. What? <laughs> you can't say I haven't the old Tate spirit. Oh, Professor Kenyon, you got the spirit of 76.
Well, I told you we'd come up here to the sorority house and tell you the news about Tom's examination, didn't I, Pat? Well, yes, but I didn't expect such a crowd. The team, the yeah. band, everybody. But everybody wanted to give you the good news. Good news? Yes. Tommy passed his examination. And now he can play this afternoon. And we'll win, too. I know he will. You know, I've had a dozen omens lately that everything's going to be all right. So I know good news must be on its way. Of the night I saw my lucky star Saw that new moon shining from afar Saw a horse and he was milky white So I know that things will be all right Then I saw a lucky load of hay That means good news must be on its way When he's nigh, I'll cry Where have you been? Take your hat and coat and come right in You're bound to do me good. Come right here to me. Good news. Good news. You're what I waited for. I wasn't slated for blues. Good news is magic to me. Bad news is tragic to me. So, Mr. Good News, you're bound to do me good. Come right here to me. Good news. Hi, kids. What's all the shouting for? Tommy. Hey, everybody. Here he is. Here's Tommy Marlowe. Hey, wait a minute. What is it? What's going on? You passed, Tommy. You passed the examination. I did? Oh, boy. That's good news. You're bound to do me good. Come right here to me. Good news. Good news. You're what I've waited for. I wasn't slated for blues. Good luck is mad. Darling, I'm so pleased. Now you can play this afternoon and you can win the game. For me. Uh, for Tate, you mean, Pat. And if I'm awful lucky. Say, uh, you haven't seen Connie around, have you? Oh, not since this morning, darling. Oh, uh, I wanted to thank her for all she's done. Oh, there she is over by the door. If you excuse I me, I... wouldn't go now, darling. Oh, why not, for Pete's sake? Well, you see who she's with, don't you? Oh, sure I see. Babe O'Day, Bobby Randall, and Beef Saunders. What about it? Beef, darling, he's a very jealous young man. Oh, so Connie tells me. You, you mean Connie and Beef? Oh, but of course, darling, ever since their freshman year. Come on, everybody, a cheer for Tommy Marlowe. Hey, hey, hey. talk about myself, <laughs> but I, I have a real surprise for you. Tomorrow, Tommy Marlowe will be the greatest halfback in the world. Why? Because there'll be something wonderful leading him on to victory. It's love. Yes, Patricia Bingham has promised that if Tommy wins a game tomorrow, she will marry him. Lucky and love, lucky and love, what else matters if you're lucky? 
And fellow students, don't let's forget the little girl who worked with him, who helped him pass the exam so he can play this afternoon and win the fair Patricia. Fellow students, don't forget Connie Lane. I don't know what to say. I hope they'll be very happy. And now, Beef, if, if you've got that red convertible handy, what do you say we go for a ride? Goodbye, everybody. Connie. You see, darling, I told you she was Beef's girl. Now, aren't you going to finish the song for me? What? Oh, sure. Lucky in love. If you take me, that will make me Mr. Pharisee, president of the Association of American Railroads, told you earlier on this program how the railroads and the shippers of the nation work together to produce better and better transportation. That's just part of the story, for there is the same sort of cooperation among the railroads themselves. Teamwork, indeed, is the very heart of better railroad transportation. Yes, this cooperation has made it possible for every car of any railroad to travel over the tracks of every other railroad in the country. More than that, these cars can be put into trains including cars from many different lines, can be repaired at any railroad shop. This is only one example of the cooperation that makes our continent-wide railroad operation possible. On this program, The Railroad Hour, we plan to tell you something of this fascinating story, the story back of the daily job of providing our nation with the safest, most efficient, most economical transportation in the world. We will be back with the third act of Good News in just a moment. We pause briefly now for station identification. The curtain rises on the third act of Good News. The big game between Colton and Tate is just about to begin. And as Professor Kenyon approaches the stadium, he meets Connie Lane. Well, good afternoon, Miss Lane. Uh, aren't you headed in the wrong direction? No, I'm not. Nothing and nobody in this college interests me at all. Oh? Not even the young man you tutored for the examination? No. And what's more, I hope he loses the game. Even though I did slave to make him pass the examination. Well, you did coach him. And he passed, too. He got 76. <laughs> My dear, that 76 is only one of the sins of an old professor who has a young heart in football season. <laughs> professor? Hey, Connie, you're running the wrong direction. The game's over that way. I'm not going, babe. Now, Connie, don't be a drip. Tom didn't propose to Patricia. That is, not after he met you. Bobby told me the whole thing. Pat has a letter or something, and she's holding him to it. Now will you go to the game? But I, I, I tore up my ticket, babe. Oh, I... who needs a ticket? Come with me, my friend. I know where there's the best little hole in the fence that's big enough for the two of us to see everything. A hole in the fence? Are you sure, babe? Well, I should be. 
I put it there last night myself. Oh, brother, this team ought to spend half time in a powder room, not a locker room. That Colton team did to you guys in the first half was a crime. Oh, lay off, Bobby. We've only got a few minutes to rest up between halves, so dry up. Rest up from what? You didn't do anything out there. What was worrying you, Beat? Did you see the boogeyman? <laughs> Haven't you ever heard about tackling? Football players don't stop when you tag them. <laughs> Gosh, I wish the coach had put me in. Boy, I'd show him. Lay off, will you? Lay off? What am I going to tell my grandchildren? Grandpa was a football player. Then I'll have to show him this suit without a spot on it. And as for injuries, the only scar I got is from a splinter off the bench. <laughs> what difference does it make? The game's lost anyway. Scores three to nothing. And if Colton keeps on like they are, we haven't got a chance. Well, we would if Tom would go out there and show the fellas how to play. Don't you know that when you play Tom, they all play with you? You never did this before. What's eating you? Oh, it's nothing, Bobby. I'll be all right. Well, if you don't win this game, you can't marry Pat. Hey. Hey, wait a minute. Maybe that's what's wrong. You don't want to marry Pat. Shut up, Bobby. Oh, sure, that's it. You're in love with Connie. You want to marry Connie Lane, don't you? Bobby, will you shut up? Now, look, don't pay any attention to him, Beef. He's out of his mind. Don't make any difference to me, Tom. If you want to marry Connie Lane, go ahead and marry her. Why? Isn't Connie your girl, Beef? His girl? Of course she isn't his girl. Beef's nuts about Patricia. He's been riding around his new red convertible for weeks. Is that true, Beef? You're not kidding now. Is that true? Sure it's true. Connie Lane thinks I'm a dumb bunny. Oh, brother! Okay, there goes the signal for the last half, fellas. Let's go out there and show that Colton team how to play football! Connie, let me see what's happening. Gee, I think Beef just got hurt. Yeah. Oh, and there goes Bobby to help him off the field. The big clumsy lug. Hey, he's gonna play. <laughs> Does he look funny without a bench under him? Oh, there can't be more than two minutes left to play. Oh, babe, supposing Tom loses the game. Well, that's what I thought he was trying to do in the first half. But something came over him in this half. He could just get one lucky break. Well, there they go. Time's in. They've lined up. Look. They pass the ball back to Bobby. Yeah. Holy cow, he's running the wrong way. Turn around, you big lug. Turn around. It's all right. He's just fading back to pass. There, he's throwing it. It's a long pass. A long forward pass to Tommy. He caught it. Tommy caught it. Oh, brother, look at him go. Tommy, run. Run. Win for Tate, Tommy. Win for Tate. He's over. He's over. It's a touchdown. Yes. It's a touchdown. Why, Connie, aren't you glad? Of course I'm glad. But Patricia... Connie, where are you going? Come back here! Connie! Hiya, hiya, babe. Oh, there you are, Bobby. I've been looking all over the dance floor for you. Come on out on the veranda. I want to talk to you about something. Yeah, I know it. About our marriage. Well, I... Uh... Yes, we agreed if you won the game, we'd get married. It was a very foolish thing. And I want you to let me off. What? Well, don't you know every girl in Tate is after me? Yes, and they can have you. <laughs> my business. Really, my business is taking raw material, polishing it up, and throwing it back in circulation. Oh, but, babe, those girls don't understand me. They think I'm a hero. Oh, you gotta marry me. Oh, it's a good thing you said that. This brick is getting awfully heavy. <laughs> oh, nice going, kids, and, and all sorts of congratulations. But, 
By any chance, have you seen Connie Lena? I've been looking for her all over the place. Connie didn't come to the dance, Tommy. The last I saw of her, she was sitting on that little bench behind the chemistry lab. Oh, thanks, babe. Thanks a lot. Hello, Connie. Oh, it's you. I, uh... I just found out you were here. I, I've been looking for you ever since the game. Well, you found me. So now you can go right back to the dance and to the girl you're going to marry. But the girl I'm going to marry isn't at the dance, Connie. I, I mean, the girl I hope to marry isn't at the dance. Oh, Connie, don't you see? It's, it's you I'm crazy about. Just you. Oh, Tommy. Hello, Venus. Hi, Mars. Oh, somebody broke that street light. Some little ruffian must have thrown a rock at it. Wrong, Miss Lane. You're wrong. I did it. Why, Professor Kenyon? Mm-hmm. For years, I've had an insane desire to smash one of those things, and and I couldn't have picked a better time. Well, that's kind of an about face, isn't it, Professor? After that astronomy exam you threw at me this morning. Oh, don't say that, Tom. Your exam paper was awful, and the professor passed you just because he likes you. He likes me? Yes, Tom. But I'm going to leave you with someone who likes you a little better than I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my. Look at Mars and look at Venus. They seem closer together tonight than, than they've ever been before. And love can come to everyone. The best things in life are Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gordon McRae giving a special vote of thanks to our two lovely guest stars this evening, Miss Dinah Shore and Miss Jane Powell, and to the other members of tonight's cast for their fine performances in our production of Good News, which was adapted for radio by Ed Gardner. Next week, our star-studded show train will arrive in the same tracks at the same time. On board will be Mr. Victor Moore and Miss Margaret Whiting to join me in bringing you the famous Cole Porter musical, Anything Goes, with our chorus under the direction of Norman Luboff, and the music arranged and conducted by Carmen Dragon. All aboard! Well, it looks as though we're ready to pull out, so until next week, goodbye. And remember, during the coming week, as always, the American Railroads will provide for you the dependable, low-cost transportation, which is so essential to the American way of living.
Good News has been presented by special arrangement with Pam's Whitmark Music Library. Miss Dinah Shore appeared by courtesy of Columbia Records. Listen to her latest release, Buttons and Bows. Miss Jane Powell appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor picture Three Musketeers, starring Lana Turner, Gene Kelly, and June Allison. Gordon McRae appeared through the courtesy of Warner Brothers. This is Marvin Miller speaking. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this time by the Association of American Railroads. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Colgate Tooth Powder's Theater of Romance brings you in just a moment Ralph Bellamy in Intermezzo. But first, latest reports from doctors on the 14-day palm olive plan. San Francisco reports better complexions for 89%. Indianapolis reports better complexions for 97%. In city after city, doctors tested the 14-day palm olive plan on all types of skin. And two out of three of all women tested got better complexions in 14 days. What is this 14-day palm olive plan? Wash your face three times a day with palm olive soap. Then each time take 60 seconds more to massage palm olive's lovely soft lather onto your skin as you would a cream. Then rinse. This cleansing massage with palm olive's lather brings your skin its full beautifying effect. See what palm olive can do for your skin in 14 days. Remember, doctors prove palm olive's beauty results. Tonight and every Tuesday night, Colgate Tooth Powder brings you the Theater of Romance, featuring each week your favorite stars and favorite stories and plays especially adapted for radio. And here is your host to tell you about tonight's presentation... Intermezzo, starring Ralph Bellamy. Good evening. Intermezzo is the love story of a brilliant young musician and of the girl he met returning home from one of his long concert tours. The musician, Holger Brandt, himself tells you their story. It's hard to know how to begin to talk about Anita. Anyone so lovely in a man's life must be a perfect thing, without beginning and without end. And must be remembered as a scent of perfume is remembered, as a sweep of music, as a kiss. But there was a beginning, and there was an ending. The first time I looked in her eyes was the beginning. It was after I'd returned to Stockholm after a long tour of concerts. My little girl, Anne-Marie, introduced us. Oh, I'm so glad you came, Early. Daddy, here's Miss Hoffman. Oh, Miss Hoffman. We haven't met, have we? How do you do? How do you do? Anne-Marie's been playing the piano for me. You're a good teacher. Anne-Marie is very talented. And why shouldn't she be with such a father? How sweet you are. Excuse me. I'll leave you two to your lesson. Miss Hoffman's a lovely girl, isn't she, Margaret? There's something about her face that's like... Oh, that's almost like springtime. Something shining and fresh and very young and sweet. Yes, she is lovely. Margaret, do you realize it's been almost three years since we've been together? I realize it very well. But your concerts were very important. 
I hope you'll stay home with us for a little while now, though. I have to, at the moment. I don't have an accompanist. Thomas says he's, he positively will not go on any more tours. He's going to stay home and teach. Margaret, let's go away together on a trip. What do you say? Let's be young again. Let's follow the stars across the world to France and China and India. Oh, darling. Margaret, remember the first time we went away? Of course I remember. But it wouldn't be like that again, Holger. That kind of spring and that sort of happiness come only once in one's life. Let's find it again. We can't take the children out of school, and we can't leave them here alone. A home and a family are a responsibility, Holger. Yes, of course, Margaret. We'll say no more about it. I felt a bit lonely and a bit rebellious. I went back into the other room and sat there, watching Anita Hoffman sitting at a piano with the sun on her hair. And she was playing music that I loved, that I somehow needed. The music was like wine, so was she. That suddenly, that swiftly, that sweetly, I was in love. It was three days later before I spoke to her again. I'd gone to a concert alone. As I came out... Why, Miss Hoffman. Good evening, Mr. Brandt. Have you been to the concert, too? Oh, yes, I always go whenever I can. Isn't Mrs. Brandt with you? No, no, she had a social obligation. How about a glass of wine somewhere? There are a lot of things I want to ask you, like... Like what kind of music you like, and what kind of people and your favorite colors, your favorite books, your favorite dreams. <laughs> In other words, you want to know everything. In other words, I want to know everything. Waitress, more champagne, please. Yes, sir. You're very gay tonight, Mr. Brand. I'm very happy tonight. Anita, uh, Miss Hoffman, I have a wonderful idea. Why don't you accompany me? Accompany you? Oh, you couldn't be serious. I'm perfectly serious. I listened to you play the other afternoon after you'd finished Anne-Marie's lesson. Well, what are you saying? I don't know. What? There are tears in your eyes. Well, you see, ever since I first began to care about music, you've been well, like a god to me. For years I saved every penny I could lay my hands on to hear you whenever you played. It seems so strange. Now, here you are. And here I am. Yes. Here you are. And here I am. And it's like the beginning of the world, isn't it? Yes. The beginning of the world. It's very foggy, isn't it? Yes. You know... I used to hate the fog, but I like it tonight. It's something that seems to belong to us. Here's the bridge. Look, you can just barely see the broken chunks there of ice. There goes the winter, rushing to the sea. We're on the threshold of spring. Anita, you're so beautiful. Do you know what you remind me of? No, tell me. A Viennese waltz. One moment all laughter, one moment all melancholy. <laughs> you're very poetic. Have you ever been to Vienna? No. Someday I'll take you there. Oh, Anita. You shouldn't have kissed me. I could no more keep from kissing you than I could keep from loving you. Oh, 
please, you mustn't say that. I love you, Anita. I love you. The internet so again, Holger. You know, I think you've played that song at least once a day, every day for the past two months. I'm sorry, Margaret. Does it annoy you? No, but it worries me a little. Holger, I haven't seen anything of you lately. You're always out somewhere. You know I've been practicing a lot with Miss Hoffman. Yes, I know you've been practicing a lot with Miss Hoffman. Playing the intermezzo a bit out of character, Anita? Why do you say that, Mr. Stenbock? You are giving it too much importance. You were going at it as if it were the climax of a tremendous symphony. You frightened my neighbors. I'm sorry I wasn't conscious of it. Mr. Stenbock, I'm going away. I must go away. I think I understand. And this is our last lesson? Yes, Mr. Stenbock. This is our last lesson. Now, dear. Anne-Marie, you must stop crying. Yeah, what's going on in here? Long past Anne-Marie's bedtime. Why the tears? Miss Hoffman can't teach Anne-Marie anymore. She has to go and visit relatives in Denmark. She told us this morning. Anne-Marie's been very difficult about it all day. She can't go. Margaret, I have to have a talk with you. Holger, you don't have to tell me anything. I must tell you. Very well. Then, of course, I must listen. Anita! Anita! Olga, what are you doing here? How did you know? Margaret told me you were leaving in this train. Margaret told you? You silly little fool. How could you do a thing like this? What good do you think running away would do? Oh, I don't know, but, but I thought if I went away, in time we could both get over it. Oh, my darling, don't you understand? Your life and death to me, strength and weakness. Anita, I, I can't live without you. Anita, please don't leave me. I don't know what to do. A moment ago I was so strong and I knew, but now... Anita... I've told Margaret everything. I've broken with my past. With everything. I have no home any longer. Except with you. You... You told her? Oh, how could you do that? How could you hurt her like that? She knew already. She told me first. Oh, Hulker. Oh, my darling, my darling. Board! All aboard! Train's leaving, miss. But the lady's not, conductor. The lady has other plans, very important plans. What are they? What are we going to do, Holger? Do? Well, we're going on a concert tour, of course. And the world's going to hear music played like it's never been played before. Oh, Anita, I love you. I love you so. In just a moment, we'll bring you the second act of Intermezzo, starring Ralph Bellamy. Keep smiling, 
just right. Use it each morning and use it at night. Don't take a chance with your romance. Use Colgate tooth powder. Romance is the doorway that opens on love. If you're standing there, don't let a little breath of trouble shut the door in your face. I mean, don't let unpleasing breath ruin your romance. Remember this, scientific tests have definitely proved that in seven cases out of ten, Colgate tooth powder instantly stops unpleasing breath that originates in the mouth. So the thing to do, of course, is brush your teeth night and morning and before every date with Colgate tooth powder. And as for cleaning your teeth, no dentifrice at any price will clean your teeth more quickly and thoroughly. Remember the name, Colgate Tooth Powder, with the accent on powder. Don't take a chance with your romance. Use Colgate Tooth Powder. Second act of Intermezzo, starring Ralph Bellamy. We started on a concert tour together, Anita and I. We went to Paris. Before and after each concert, we saw the sights. I had been to Paris a hundred times, saw everything for the first time because I was seeing it with Anita. The Cathedral of Notre Dame. Oh, how I got to think of all the people who have stood here like this. In the shadow of Notre Dame. <laughs> think of oh, Francois Villon, Claude Debussy, Marie Antoinette. I'd rather think of you. I wish we could stay forever. We went to Italy. We played in Rome. And more and more of the warm Italian love songs appeared in our repertoire. But no one seemed to mind. We went to Venice and rode in gondolas along the moonlit patterned canals. How close the stars are tonight. This is our night. Those are our stars. And that's our moon. This is our hour to be young and in love. You've made me young again, Anita. I was so close to being old when I met you. I love you very much. And no matter what happens or when it ends, I will love you forever, Holger. It's never going to end, Anita. Don't say that and don't think it. It's never going to end. We went to London, Singapore, Lisbon, all the fairy tale places. Our concert tour was a phenomenal success. And living the hours was like drinking champagne. Heady, exciting, rapturous. Some other lifetime I lived with you here. I can feel it. I can... Yes, I can actually see you walking under those trees in a hoop skirt with your shoulders bare. Oh, I must be shivering. It's a bit chilly for bare shoulders. You think I'm fooling? Look there, up there on that wall. You see what's inscribed on that stone shield? Mon amour, Dieu, après l'amour. My love endures after death. That was written for us. For everyone on earth will ever feel as we do now. Yes. That was written for us. My darling. My darling. Come on, get up off that beach. Let's get some dinner. Oh, I hate to move. Lazy. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, it's so nice to be lazy. Oh, this is a vacation, isn't it? A vacation on the French seacoast. Oh, I used to dream about things like this when I was a child. Even on a vacation, one must eat. Come on. Madame, a letter for you. A letter for me? Oh, thank you. You must come soon for dinner. We'll be right there. Ooh, dear Miss Hoffman, the Royal Academy of Music has awarded you the Jenny Lynn Scholarship. I hope you will not let anything interfere with the fulfillment of the bright future within your reach. Faithfully, Thomas Stenborn. Anita, that's wonderful. Is it? What are you doing? I'm tearing it up. That's how I feel about anything that might come between us. Olga. Thomas, where'd you come from? I took the chance of finding you here. I knew you always liked this inn. I... Well, as a matter of fact, I traced you through your bank. It's good to see you. It's wonderful here, Thomas, cut off from the world. It's the kind of life I thought I'd never have. How is Anita? She's fine. She went down to the village to get some bread and things. We thought we'd have a picnic tomorrow. You must join us. What news do you have of my family, Thomas? They're splendid. Oh, I... Why, Mr. Stenberg, how nice to see you. Oh, this, this is wonderful. When did you get here? <laughs> here, one question at a time. Will you entertain Thomas for 15 minutes for me while I go down and give Marianne a lesson? Of course, darling. I won't be long. Marianne's the daughter of the innkeeper. She's eight years old. He gives her a lesson every night. He, uh, he misses Anne-Marie. Did you think he wouldn't? Oh, I, I've tried not to think about it at all. I tried to pretend that there was no past. And no future? By the way, let me congratulate you on the scholarship. You must be very happy about it. I don't want it. It means nothing to me now. Really? It would have meant everything once. Anita, my dear, you have great talent. It is very sad to think you are not progressing with it. If I can be with Halter, nothing else matters. The past is gone for both of us. A man's past is never completely gone. His roots are twined deep in the things that have made him what he is. I think you know that. Yes. I've always known it. In my heart, I've always known it. Holger, there's something... There's something I'd like to say. Yes, what is it, Anita? It's just thank you. What are you thanking me for, Anita? Oh, for the stars and the moonlight. For making my life so beautiful that it hurts me inside. For your lips and your arms and all the things that... I will remember forever. Why are you saying this tonight, Anita? Because tonight, I love you more than I've ever loved you in my life. Oh, Holger, hold me close. My dearest. My sweet. train leaving here in half an hour. My dear. I told Holger that I don't feel up to a picnic, and when you and he come back this afternoon, I shall be gone. 
You're sure this is what you want? Yes. We both know where Hogger belongs. I've been... Well, you might say, I've been an intermezzo in his life. Are you ready, Thomas? I will be in just a second. Anita, I don't like to leave you when you're not feeling well. I'll be all right, darling. Have a good time. Let's go. Au revoir. Goodbye, Holger. Oh, Holger. Won't you kiss me goodbye? Not goodbye, darling. Just until this afternoon. Yes. Just until this afternoon. Oh, my darling, my darling. splendid and good, but I know and you know that it could never be. And so, I'm going away. God bless you, Holger, and take you someday safely home, Anita. I'm going after her, Thomas. She can't do this. We belong together. Perhaps you did belong together for an hour, Holger. But you had the hour. And now, it is ended. I loved her. I will always love her. Yes. But as time goes on, the memory of her will grow more and more vague. And all your heart will remember will be that she was young and lovely. Come, Holger. Get your things together. Anne-Marie and Margaret are waiting. And so, I went home. I went back to Margaret and to Anne-Marie, both of whom I loved very dearly in different ways. And Margaret was most kind and most generous. Welcome home, Holger. Welcome home, my husband. Margaret. Margaret. Welcome home. Yes, something so lovely as Anita should be a perfect thing without beginning and without end. But it had no right to begin it had to end. To take its place among those things remembered as a scent of perfume is remembered. As a sweep of music. As a kiss. Intermezzo to me is a melody half tears, half laughter. Bittersweet upon the tongue and on the heart. Like the memories of a love put by. brunette is Juliet. You'd think she'd be popular in her set, but no, men quickly forget our Juliet. The road to romance doesn't go past her door, and a little breath of trouble is to blame. Too bad if that little breath, I mean unpleasing breath, should ruin your romance. Don't take a chance. I'll tell you what, brush your teeth night and morning and before every date with Colgate Tooth Powder. 
Scientific tests prove that Colgate tooth powder in seven cases out of ten instantly stops unpleasing breath that originates in the mouth. So use Colgate tooth powder for all it's worth. Money can't buy a dentifrice that will clean your teeth better than Colgate tooth powder. Remember the name, Colgate tooth powder, with the accent on powder. Don't take a chance with your romance. Use Colgate tooth powder. motion picture Intermezzo, a love story, was produced by David O. Selznick, whose current production is a story of the home front entitled Since You Went Away. Next week, it's our pleasure to bring you the charming star of radio, stage, and screen, Miss Geraldine Fitzgerald, in Rendezvous at Myerling, an original radio drama written especially for Miss Fitzgerald's appearance on this program. Until next Tuesday night, when Colgate Tooth Powder's Theater of Romance brings you Geraldine Fitzgerald in Rendezvous at Myerling, this is your host saying good night and wishing you love, happiness, and romance. Starring as Holger in tonight's play was Ralph Bellamy, whose newest motion picture is Hunt Stromberg's production of Guest in the House. Anita was played by Martha Falconer. The adaptation was made especially for this program by Gene Holloway. The music was composed and conducted by Ben Ludlow. And the entire production was directed by Mark Sloeb. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.